Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. On January 17th, 2004, a 66-ton sperm whale died and was beached on the southwestern coast of Taiwan. Two weeks later, a team of scientists and researchers decided to truck the massive dead animal to a laboratory where they could perform all sorts of experiments and an autopsy. It took 50 men and three large lifting cranes 13 hours to hoist the whale onto a flatbed trailer. By this time, a large crowd of onlookers had gathered into the streets to behold the spectacle as this massive dead whale carcass was driven down the center of their main street. And that's when it happened. As the truck crawled through the city, with the crowds of onlookers gaping on, the noxious gases which had built up in the belly of the great beast, agitated by the rumbling of the road, exploded. Yeah. The insides of the whale splattered cars, people, storefronts, traffic lights, and everything grinded to a halt for several hours. And then for days after, people avoided downtown as the carcass was cleaned up. The smell, as you can imagine, was almost unbearable. How could so much go so wrong so quickly? Isn't Life just like that sometimes. We're going about our business, occupying ourselves and our vocations and our day-to-day lives, when suddenly the proverbial whale, as it were, explodes. Only in these kind of situations, the consequences might be less of an amusing antidote and more of a life-altering hardship. When these things happen, we, because of our sin, are often left hurt and confused with a lot of questions beginning with the simple word, why? Why did my spouse leave me? Why did my dad die so young? Why did we lose so much of our money in that foolish investment? Why does our child's behavior continue to cause us so much pain? Why? Today, as we continue our Lenten series looking at the witnesses to Christ, we come to the 18th chapter of St. John's Gospel, and we meet a man named Malchus. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Malchus, who was an officer of the chief priests, was doing his job, when before he knows it, chaos ensued and the whale exploded. Sent out on what at first seemed to be a fairly uneventful arrest, Suddenly, he and his fellow officers were bowled over with the words of the Messiah. Witnesses began fleeing the scene, and before he knew it, his right ear had been chopped off by a fisherman from Galilee. How could so much go so wrong so quickly? Well, perhaps here it's helpful to recap the story, starting with the very beginning. Hear the Gospel of St. John, chapter 18, once again, where it says, Now Judas, who had betrayed Jesus, also knew the place. For Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, 
having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. This band that the gospel writer John talks about is a cadre of Roman soldiers. These soldiers would come into greater focus the next day when they would mock, flog, and crucify Jesus. The crowd which collects around to arrest him is largely a crowd of Roman Gentiles who controlled the country. With them, of course, were the chief priests who controlled the temple and its proceedings, and the Pharisees who largely controlled the religious culture of the day. It's as though, putting it into our terms, the Supreme Court and the Congress sending the FBI to arrest Jesus. And who is it who's leading this Jewish posse with so much firepower and muscle behind them? Why, it's none other than Judas Iscariot, Jesus' own disciple. And what is Judas up to? Well, the gospel says it. He's betraying his rabbi. In fact, each and every week when we come to the service of the sacrament, we begin with the words, Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed. Yes, this is the very night that we're referencing. And it's in the midst of this betrayal and all of these authorities gathered around that chaos ensues. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. That servant's name was Malchus. Peter, without warning, lashes out, seeing that they're about to arrest his Lord, and, and he attacks. And the ear that he finds with his sword is that of Malchus. The crowds collected, the chaos has ensued, and for Malchus, that's when the proverbial whale has exploded. Friends, has a mess ever suddenly and abruptly appeared in your life? I'm sure, if you're thinking honestly, all heads would be nodding. Are you doing everything that you can to survive the mess? Have you consulted the bank, changed your diet? called an attorney, tightened the budget, gone into counseling or rehab or therapy. In the midst of all of this, what's the advice that you always get? Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is good advice. But why? Because control is clear. But whose control? Not ours. We're the ones who made the mess. The control belongs to Christ. The gospel makes that very clear to us. Judas, uh, the Jewish authorities, the Romans, they, they all appear to be in control, to be running things. But their control is only an illusion. Christ is the one in charge. How do we know this? Well, here again from John 18, verse 4, where it says, Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward. His control is clear. When his enemies come, Christ goes out to meet them. When Judas approaches, the Christ does not run. When Peter strikes Malchus, Jesus doesn't urge him to continue his onslaught, but bids him put away his sword. For he must drink the cup that his father has set aside for him. 
In John 10, verse 18, Jesus reminds us that no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Though the powers of darkness rise against him full throttle, Christ is and remains in control. St. Matthew's account of the gospel gives us an interesting wrinkle on the proceedings that happened on the night of his betrayal. He points out that Jesus could have asked his father for more than 12 legions of angels. Look it up. That's Matthew 26, 53. 12 legions. Have you ever pondered just how great that number is? In a Roman garrison, one legion was comprised of 6,000 Men. So some quick math would tell us 12 times 6,000 would be 72,000 angels. But the Christ remains silent. He does not call an army of angels to his defense because he does not need them. He is in absolute control. Even when all the world looks like chaos breaking down around us, the Christ is in control. It was during World War II that another team of researchers, these psychologists, compared the mental states of ground troops versus fighter pilots to weigh the anxiety and the pressures that they felt from the warfare they were experiencing. They determined after 60 days of continuous combat that those who were on the ground Those who saw the action up front and close, well, their anxiety was off the charts. They did not feel in control. But after a similar 60-day period, they also found that an astounding 93% of fighter pilots were surprisingly, all things considered, upbeat and at peace about the missions they were given. Why is that? Well, they felt that they had more control. Their hands were on the throttle. The ground troops, on the other hand, felt forlorn and helpless. They could just as easily be killed standing still or running away. What's the point, they thought? Well, this research shows us that the common wisdom is true. When chaos ensues, always seek control. We don't need war to prove this to us. All we need is, say, a backup on an interstate highway. Another team of researchers, these ones, Germans, recently found that a traffic jam more than triples our chance of a heart attack. That makes sense, but why is this? Because we must be in control. So friends, with all these dangers around us, with all the chaos in the world around us, what's the plan when the unexpected happens? What do we do when we lose control, when the proverbial whale explodes in front of us? We can't follow the popular wisdom, always seek control, because of our sin, we have no control. We are not the ones in control. Friends, when we lose 
control of our lives. When we're left without a way to rein in the consequences of our sinful behavior, we are forced to acknowledge that any control that we thought we had is but an illusion. The popular wisdom doesn't work for us. But what does? Well, for the Christian, we are called upon by the Scriptures rather than seeking control to relinquish control, to give it all up, let go, resign as CEO of the universe, and give the mess of your sin and the chaos that it brings over to your Lord and Savior Jesus. For his control is clear. His calm in the passage that we read from John 18 is almost contagious. You can just feel it. It says, This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken of those you gave me. I have lost not one. Even at the moment of his arrest. Even at the moment of one of his disciples betraying him. Even as he was about to be tried by a mock jury, beaten, dragged to the city streets, and killed upon a cross, Christ remains calm. He loses not one of those whom God the Father had entrusted to him. And why? Because he knows his station. He knows under whose authority he goes to undertake this task. He knows the scriptures. Christ's calm is good for us too. You know, there's an old Peanuts comic strip where Lucy is struggling with her Sunday school memory verse. And frustrated, unable to remember the word, she finally blurts out that it's from the book of reevaluations. That's right, the book of reevaluations. And I, I think that dear Lucy is on to something. For the scriptures are a book of reevaluations, they help us to reevaluate who it is that is truly in control. Remember John 1.29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Christ is in control of the chaos. Christ is in control of our sin. He takes it all away. Or what about John 4 verse 14, Whoever drinks the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. Christ is in control of our aching thirst and he quenches it with his unconditional love. Or maybe John 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Christ is in control of the darkness, for he is our light. Many of you parents and grandparents are experiencing this right now, but when parents send their kids to camp, there's a form that we all have to sign. That form asks, who is the responsible party? Who's in control with Johnny breaks his arm, or if Susie comes down with a case of the measles. Who's responsible for this child? So a parent has to sign his or her name. In much the same way, our Lord Jesus Christ has signed his name for us, written in his very blood. When we are baptized, it is our Lord Jesus who takes responsibility for us. When chaos ensues all around, when the whale explodes before our faces, it is Jesus, not us, who is the responsible party. It's his job to see us through. Christ is the shepherd. 
We are the sheep. Christ is the bridegroom, our head, and we are the bride. Christ is the rabbi, we are the disciples. That's why we sing in the words of the old beloved hymn, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Dear friends, in a world full of chaos, I'm willing to bet that one of three things is happening in each of our lives right now. We're either headed for some mess that we cannot predict, we're in the middle of one such mess, or, thanks be to God, we may have just come out of one of those messes. But no matter the mess that we find ourselves in because of our sin, we need not be hopeless or anxious or faithless. And why? Because we have the calm of our Savior. When chaos ensues, Jesus delivers us his perfect peace. Peace not as the world gives, but his peace which passes all understanding. When our lives are in shambles, he reaches out to us with word and sacrament, with the fellowship of this body of believers, and he gives us true peace. When all around us gives way, he reaches out with his hand of healing and he makes us whole. Don't believe me? Just ask a man named Malchus. In Jesus' name, amen. May the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in the same Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.